When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Talking City, the Manchester City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. My name is Joe Bray and uh, we are going to talk about the Champions and the Champions League today. Uh, I'm joined by Stuart Brennan. How are you doing, Stu? Absolutely fine, thanks. I've, I've not had time for a shave or anything. It's been that hectic the last week, so uh, you have to forgive me for my appearance. Well, luckily, it's a, a podcast. Uh, only I can see you, I think, at, at this stage. Um, <laughs> it's you I'm apologising to. All oh, right, well, fair enough, yeah. Um, <laughs> You can you can make it up by letting us know what it was like at the Etihad yesterday when uh, not only did Man City lift the title, they brushed aside Everton and Sergio Aguero rolled back the years to sign off in uh, in some style. What was it like being at the ground yesterday, Stu? Well, I was thinking the Bard himself, William Shakespeare, said parting is such sweet sorrow, and I think that that pretty much sums it up. It was it was a sweet day for so many reasons. The fans being back was the biggest one for me. That made it quite emotional. Because you don't realise how much you miss the supporters until they aren't there. And then when they come back, it just makes everything different. You know, I've been covering games uh, in the last 12 months with no fans in the ground. And it's just absolutely soulless. You know, it just isn't football. No, No matter the beauty of the football that City have been playing and the success and everything else, it just doesn't feel right with no fans. I know there are only 10,000 in there, 10,000 lucky fans, um, but it just gave everything a lift. And the ones who were in were brilliant. You know, they, they made a heck of a row. You know, it was, I don't know if it's because we hadn't heard them for a long time. You, you thought, goodness me, you know, this, this is loud for 10,000 fans, but they really made an effort. So that was that was lovely. Um, and then, of course, there's the fantastic performance from City. You know, they, sometimes you can let, let it slip when you're the champions and, and lose on the final day, that kind of thing. But they didn't do any of that. They went out and put on a performance of champions, trophy lift, and then the fire, farewell to Aguero. Uh, so... It was, it, it was such a sweet, sweet day. But that little tinge by that little bit of sorrow that, you know, we won't be seeing this man again who's sort of lit up City for the last 10 years, lit up English football and European football in some ways in, in the last 10 years. So it, it was, it was a, it was a, you know, I'm a bit of a hard bit and old cynical hack, but it, it was an emotional day for anybody who was in there, I think. You know, it was, uh, it was, it was quite touching. Uh, and also the fact that, um, Colin Bell's son, John, and and the young lad who's had a really tough time of it during lockdown, were involved in the trophy presentation. That just sort of gave it another little emotional edge, you know, because I think we could all relate to what those two guys have been through uh, in, in the last 12 months. And that, that again, just made, made it that little bit special. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think City handed the whole thing perfectly. And uh, I was watching the City uh, YouTube show beforehand and, and John Bell was saying that, he uh, he was going to purposely walk as slow as he could with that trophy to savor every moment of it. But walking through all the all the staff and and everything was uh, was perfect. And I think I saw on Twitter afterwards that uh, the young lad who uh, I'm really sorry I forgot his name, but uh, Fernandinho was meant to take the trophy from the podium and and lift it himself. But he said to the young lad, "You know what? You can bring it, and it'll be a better moment for you." So for all round, it was it was a, a really well done. Uh, moment and, and credit to City for that and yeah I completely agree about the fans um, listening to the roar when Aguero uh, sorry 
Kevin De Bruyne rolled that ball in the corner in the first one. It was like, it was just, it was obviously a fantastic goal to celebrate, but it was like the relief of, of a season of, of being away from the Etihad and, and missing out on this all-conquering City side and then seeing a goal of that quality and, and just letting it all out. That, that really sort of, uh, it was a reminder for me that, yes, we have missed fans. And I was at Brighton last week and obviously no City fans, but listening to 8,000 there was, you could see what it means to people after after being away for so long. Football means a lot to people and, and being able to go and just sort of celebrate or moan or shout sit down shut up at Guardiola which is what they were doing and just those little things those little like sort of nuances that you've missed and, and you forgot that fans did and then they're now doing again it's it's, it's you don't realise how much you miss it and I, I'm jealous of all the fans who've been in stadiums uh, this week and it, it was it was one of those games where like you say City put on a, a real show suitable of the season that they've had of, of champions and and yeah when Aguero came on and, and poked that one in the corner and then got his header it was a it was a fitting way for him to to sign off really and uh, here's a stat for you Stu is he's only in his Premier League career Aguero has only come off the bench and scored a brace twice on his first Premier League appearance and his last Premier League appearance so. oh yeah I hadn't thought of that that's a yeah yeah and I was at both <laughs> yeah well yeah, how, would you, how would you sum up Aguero's time in the Premier League because it, it's not been the best season for him but to sign off in in that way sort of a, a little reminder of his quality it was mm-hmm. it was right wasn't it it was it was proper a proper way for him to sign off. It was. I think everyone was a little bit worried that he might because he wasn't fully fit, and we saw what happened in you know the, the previous time he he came on and he missed well the previous time he played and he, he missed the penalty in, in a dreadful way, and uh, he missed kicked one that luckily Raheem Sterling gobbled up to, to sort of lessen the the embarrassment. Um, but you kind of worried that it, that might happen and that'd be a bit of a sad way for him to go, and he'd be a little bit shamefaced. But to come on. And score, I mean, the first goal was just indicative of the quality he's had for the last decade. You know, that finish with the outside of his right foot, you know, he, he left it. It was it Olgate, I think, the defender he just left on the floor and then just jabbed it with the outside of his right foot into the far corner. I mean, that that is just finishing of the highest quality. And then the header, perfect. I mean, Fernandinho, you've got to, you know, he, he's, he's, he's like the new old statesman of the team now because he's the longest serving player. But you could see he was desperate to get Aguero a goal. And he got him too, you know, he, he yeah. came up with the, with the two assists as well. But yeah, I mean, this last decade, as Pep said, his stats speak for himself. You know, he's, he's the most lethal goal scorer in Premier League history. And you look at the list of players who are beneath him, you know, Harry Kane's not far beneath him. Uh, but Thierry Henry, Ruud van Nistelrooy, Alan Shearer, you know, the, the list goes on and on and on. And he's up there and he's, he's up there by some distance as well. You know, he's, he's goal record. And uh, just the sheer difference of his goals you know right foot left foot for a little man he's got a few fair few headers thunderbolts um i remember the one was at, was at watford where he, he waltzed through about three or four defenders and then his finish was the most delicate it was you know it was the only way he was going to get it past the keeper and he just stroked it into the and he just about made it over the line and the defender got back and kicked it clear but it was it was over the line so just the variety of his goals, the quality of his goals. And I think that under, I know there's been a little bit of friction with Pep, uh, certainly when when Pep, Pep first came in, because Pep wanted him to be more like the player he remembered at Atletico Madrid, who was more of a number 10, who linked up the play as well as scored goals. Uh, and Pep wanted that that back. He wanted him to be more of a, a team player, get a better work rate from him. And there was, 
I don't think there was any resistance from Aguero, but I think he felt a little bit affronted. You know, here's a club legend being asked to work harder and, and so on. But he did do it. You know, he they he worked out the problem and uh, he knuckled down. I think he became an even better player. And he's, he, he, he was getting involved in the game more. He was creating opportunities for other players a lot more than he used to do. Uh, but his, his numbers were still high. You know, he was, he was still, still scoring 30 goals a season average. So I, I think Guardiola did actually make him a better player not by coaching him or anything like that but simply by reminding him of what of what he used to do when he was at Atletico and uh, getting him to to start doing that for City so he's just been phenomenal I mean everyone talks about the 93-20 but you sit sit down and start thinking about Aguero and the memories just keep coming and coming and coming you know I still think of his hooked goal against United uh, in a derby at the Etihad I think it was a Sami Nasri cross that was miles behind him and he just reached his leg round and and hooked it in. Of course, his other his goal at Old Trafford um, that made Phil Jones gurn. He can sit here all day just just remembering. And he's one of those players that I mean, I've got grandkids, so I can sit in them on my knee and talk to them. But but when my grandkids are a little, when my my grand well, I've got one. When my grandchild's a little bit older, I'll be able to tell her, you know, that I I saw almost all of Sergio Aguero's games and talk about. Uh, about about this this absolute legend, you know, he smashed the goal scoring record at City. He didn't just beat it; he absolutely put it out of sight. You know, you just there are going to be some great players playing for City in the next few years. We know that. Whether any of them will ever beat that record is, is a moot point. Yeah, I think it's 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 a bit like that Shearer record in the Premier League. It's going to be an abs- It's going to take a great player over a long period of time to beat uh, Aguero's record at City. And uh, I th- I was so happy that he got the two goals because it meant that he is the the highest scorer for a single club in the Premier League. He's also the overseas top scorer, and he's he's got those records to go with what we know is his obvious quality, and he's got them outright. They're his. He's got the hat-trick record, which, you know, he nearly added to in, in that game. I thought Jordan Pickford was a bit of a spoil sport, you know, trying to get down and stop him as much as he could. But, uh, yeah, I completely agree. And what, what stands out when you're talking there is every single, all those goals, every single fan will have a different memory. Obviously, mm-hmm. yes, like you say, the 93-21, but every fan will have a, a different goal that they say, do you know what, this is the goal that I remember Aguero for. And you, he's got hundreds of goals and does, you could put, have, you know, dozens of City fans and you've got, you know, dozens more goals to to talk about and remember, and that's the sort of player that that you want. And I, I enjoyed the banners at the Etihad, and they were basically saying just thank you. I think one said you changed our lives, and and that's true. Aguero did take City to to another level, and he he might yet get another another sign off. But uh, it it was right that he had a day to himself to to celebrate, and and it, he only took half an hour, but he, he really showed in that half an hour what what he was made of and, and what he did over the last the last 10 years but again if he can only do half an hour if he's only had a handful of appearances this season due to injury and fitness and, and other reasons then it's probably the right decision to to move on and part ways and uh, you know Aguero said after the game you know he's, he's not going to say where he's ending up and then suddenly Guardiola in, in his match of the day interview pops up and says oh yeah he's he's going to go and join join Barcelona. Do you think that's a, a good fit for, for Aguero, Barcelona? Yeah, yeah. Excellent fit. I mean, it, it surprised me a little bit because the reason he stayed in Manchester for so long is because he hated that that bubble that you, you're in. Uh, I mean, bubbles taking on a different meaning these, these days. But that goldfish bowl that, you, that you're in in Spain, uh, even had that Atletico, you know, uh, where you haven't, got, you haven't got, you know, the fans mob you, uh, the media are uh, on your case all the time. 
and he, he sort of stayed clear of that. And, you know, every year we had talk of Real Madrid and Barcelona both wanting to, to get hold of him. Uh, and he, he never showed any real interest in going to either of them because he was quite he quite enjoys being a private man. Now he's going there, he's linking up with, with Messi, who, who's his oldest pal in football, he used to room together for Argentina. So he, he does he does uh, make sense in that way. Uh, and if he can if he can keep fit, we've seen that he's he's still got that quality. And goal scorers can keep scoring goals forever. You know, he, even when the legs have, have gone, you know, they'll still still find the positions and then and then pop it in the back of the net. So he, he he could keep going for a while as long as he can get his fitness sorted out. It's been an issue with him with City down the years, um, but Barcelona. Yeah, I mean, he's right. It would have been wrong if it have ended up going to West Ham or, I don't know, you know, a lesser light on the continent. It feels right that he should go to another great top club rather than just sort of, like some of them do, just end up, you know, Roberto Mancini ended up at Leicester, for goodness sake, when Leicester were were lower reaches of the of the of the, of the league. So, if hopefully that that will, you know, Barcelona can have some success at Barcelona with Messi, uh, and that'll be a, a another 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 glorious chapter in his career, rather than just sort of you know ending it with the season that he's had with City, which hasn't been which hasn't been great because he's you know he's been injured for most of it. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think with the firepower that Barcelona have, they've obviously not had the best season, but they've still got Lionel Messi, Griezmann, uh, those sort of players, and a few a few good wingers coming through. They might sign Depay if all the rumours are, are true. And he's going to have sort of the supply and they're going to create chances and, and he's going to have the opportunity to to continue where we know he's left off. And uh, yeah, we, who knows? We might see him back at the Etihad in the Champions League or something. But uh, yeah, I, like you, I'm I'm really pleased that if he does go to Barcelona, it's it's on. He's going to stay on the highest stage. And uh, if he could, after the mess that Barcelona have been in in the last couple of years, if he could bring them back to to closer to the La Liga title and the Champions League final stages, then that would be a fantastic way for him to to end his career. And uh, one one other thought on that: Do you think that? Spells the end of any suggestion that Lionel Messi might leave Barcelona if his best mate is now going to join them. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, that, that's 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 going to be a big motivation for Aguero. Um, it, you you would you would think. I mean, it seems that Messi's sorted out his problems with a change of presidency at Barcelona. It looks like he's he's a lot happier. You know, he's he's obviously sat down with Laporte. He's got a much better relationship with him. So it, it looks like that's sorted. I, I wouldn't have thought. You don't know, but I wouldn't have thought that Aguero would go there. If Messi wasn't there, that, that seems to be. It, there, there are times when Messi's, uh, sorry, Aguero's cut quite a lonely figure in Manchester. I remember seeing an interview a few years back where he actually said that he he, he does get quite lonely. You know, he, he since since he, him and his wife split up, you know, he, he's had a succession of girlfriends. But the, uh, there have been times where he's, he has been on his own. Uh, and of course, his, his Argentina buddies, Tevez and Zabaleta and Otamendi, Demichelis, they've all they've all moved on in the meantime. Uh, so it, you kind of think, you know, if he goes to Barca, he, he, he's got his he's got his best buddy there straight away. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I I'd, I'd be surprised if, if you know all the, all the messages that are coming out of Barca, I'd be surprised if Messi moves on anyway. Yeah, well, when Guardiola said it, he said he's going to play with Messi, not he's going to play at Barcelona, and yeah. and all all the suggestions of if Messi was going to come to Manchester, it was to play with Sergio Aguero as as, as a major factor. So 
yeah, maybe we can uh, put that excitement from last year to bed now with uh, with that bit of transfer news. But uh, let's move on to the Champions League final. This is our last podcast before you head out to Porto and, and Soda City with uh, 6,000 fans. Who who do you think made a case to, to make a late push for that Champions League final starting 11 against Everton? There were some good performances from the likes of uh, Fernandinho, like you say, was, was very good. Jesus, I thought, was really, really good. Um, you know, you had Bernardo and Gundogan on the bench. Did anyone force their way into that final side, do you think? Well, I, I thought that going into that game, I thought the only position that was still left to argue about was was that holding midfield, Fernandinho and Rodri. Uh, Rodri made a daft error at Brighton, which gave a goal away. And Fernandinho was absolutely impeccable again, I thought, against Everton. I mean, not if, if you look at the goals, I mean, the the second goal was was him putting in a really good interception on halfway. You know, you don't you don't get any any stats for that. You don't get an assist or anything like that. But you know, it was him that that, that won the ball and gave it. I think to Sterling, who then passed it on to De Bruyne. And it, it, but it was Fernandinho was was the stem of that. And then his his two assists. One was just like a typical quick sharp tackle that that then fell to Aguero and the other one was just just showed his quality you know he just looked up saw Aguero who was who was clearly you know giving him the signal put it on the head and he just absolutely plonked I mean it was a great header but to be honest I'm not headed that in because <laughs> it, it absolutely landed in the sweet spot you know it, it was it was just a perfect cross it was it was Kevin De Bruyne quality and that's what Fernandinho gives you you know he gives you that level of quality but he's got that He's got that street smartness about him. He's a solid player. He, he puts in tackles and interceptions. He knows what he's doing. You know, he breaks up attacks by fair means or foul. And Rodri doesn't have that that breadth for me. I mean, Rodri's probably got better legs because he's he's a lot younger. Uh, but he's 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 not the quickest. Uh, Fernandinho slowed down a fair bit in, in the last year or two, but he still get he still covers the turf. I remember he had he had a he had a, a foot race with with somebody yesterday. Uh, much younger, faster Everton player, and he and he he won that. So you know he, he can still do that side of the game. And if if you're Guardioli, looking at all that, Rodri, I think Rodri's underrated. I think I think I've heard South City fans yesterday calling him Plodri because he he tends to slow the game down a little bit. But I I I rate Rodri, and I think he'll he'll blossom in in the years to come. I think we'll see more of him. But right now, given everything else, his leadership qualities on top of all that I, th- I think Fernandinho uh, will be the man that, that Guardiola will go to uh, you mentioned Jesus, I thought Jesus I've always been a Jesus fan um, you know, even even when he's you know he's had these spells where he's not scoring goals, people forget he's still pretty young. He's still you know not much older than Aguero was when he actually started at City. I know I know Aguero was doing it for Atletico before that, but even so, you know Jesus was winning titles in Brazil at the age of eighteen. He was playing for playing for his country, wearing that number nine shirt for Brazil is a big thing. He was doing that at, the, at a very young age, and we saw his quality yesterday, and we saw what what it gives you. He, he, he he frightens defenders. He, he goes at them. You know, for for Foden's goal, he did that. For his own goal, it was it was excellent. He's got this knack of scoring against Everton. I've I, I meant to top up how many goals he's scored against Everton in the last few years. It's quite a few. But I think Jesus is one to you know. You talk. It's going to be more than an eleven-man game this this final. Uh, I think substitutions could be. I think it'd be tight, and I think substitutions could be key to it. And putting Jesus on against a tiring. 
Chelsea defence could be could be an important move. But there's so many options. And you talked about City uh, reflecting the season yesterday. In some ways, I don't think they did. I think I think they, in an attacking sense, I thought they were better. I thought they were sharper, more incisive than they've been for most of the season. You know, they took a decision to slow the game down this season to, so they could cope with, uh, you know, the, the, the extreme fixture schedule and everything else. And that that's led to a much more study. It's still, still nice to watch at times, you know, because when they, when they step it up, hit the button, you know, it, it all clicks into place. But they were sharp. They were zipping passes. You know, De Bruyne was putting those balls through. There was just, you know, the... The, the first goal with Mares playing playing a one-two, I think, with Foden and then zipping it to the Bruyne touch and then picking out the far corner. That is classic City. They've not done a huge amount of that this season. They've, they've done it at times, but it, they've been more methodical and more laboured in the build-up. And I thought, you just wonder, are they sharpening up? Are they going to play like this against Chelsea or will they go back into a more methodical keeping the ball and just waiting for the moment kind of kind of game. I think they may have to do that because I think Chelsea are a lot smarter defensively than Everton were yesterday. So, uh, you know, I, I think they may just have to be a little bit more circumspect about the way they approach the game. Yeah, well, this is it. I think with with it being against Chelsea, it's it's different to, say, Real Madrid had come, come through or against a, a, a foreign side because City and Chelsea know each other so well and they're... They're relatively similar in quite a lot of ways, maybe not in, in the way they attack, but the way they build up, they're quite solid at the back. So when we're talking about Fernandinho and Rodri, I'd, I'd argue that maybe Rodri would have started against someone like Real Madrid, but Fernandinho is probably better against Chelsea, especially when Chelsea have players like Kante in midfield and, and Jorginho. And I, th- I think he gives you a bit of an extra dimension in that way. And yeah, I think City were ruthless yesterday in attack. I think maybe having having the title wrapped up and, and having fans back in, uh, gave them a bit more license to do that, but yeah, seeing that first half, the, the the De Bruyne goal for me was was brilliant, just because it was so, as you say, crisp, slick, and uh, so ruthless and and straightforward and direct, and it was it, it was brilliant to watch, and it was it was the sort of flow and move that you like to watch as a football fan because it was it was so perfect, and yeah, I, I can't speak highly enough of, of that attacking performance in in the first half. I think against Chelsea, you're going to have to be a little bit more. Uh, sort of conservative and and that might be why I think Jesus will start on the bench. I think having Gundogan and Bernardo, the way they played, especially against PSG and Dortmund, is that sort of pressing is what Guardiola will will prefer. And and they both had a rest yesterday and Foden got taken off first after about uh, it was after the third goal, wasn't it? So about just before the hour mark. And if there's any doubt over him starting, I think that that cements it and he, he definitely will be. What did you think of Foden yesterday? Because he played in a bit more of a, a central role, which was where Guardiola said that maybe he's he's got to learn a lot. But in the last two games for me, I thought he's shown more tactical awareness and, and discipline than than he has in a long time. What what were your thoughts on Foden? Yeah, I, I remember two, three, maybe even four years ago, uh, writing about writing about Foden. Spoke to his old coach at Reddish Vulcans, who talked about him as being like the natural successor to David Silva uh, and Jim Cassell, who was head of the academy when Foden first signed up for City, he said the same, that he thought that he was going to be the man who, who would take Silva's mantle. And you kind of think that's a big, big ask, especially for a young lad coming into a big team like City. But, you know, he played in a similar similar kind of role. You know, he, he has been playing that, that, that wide role, but Silva played that role as well at City at times, you know. But yeah, I think he's... 
He is. He's got a lot smarter. And I, th- I think having De Bruyne there as well, that takes a lot of the heat off when, when you've got that much quality alongside you. But he's, he's goal scoring. That's, that's you know, we talk about Silva. That is the one thing that maybe Silva didn't have. You know, he scored a few goals, but he didn't score tons. Uh, and you, you were talking earlier about Aguero's record. Uh, will anyone ever beat it? Well, you kind of think if anyone does, it could well be Phil Foden, even though he's not an out-and-out striker because it's set up for him. You don't know what's going to happen in the years to come, but the way things are, you could see him staying at City for 10 years for the rest of his, you know, being a one-club man. Things could change with managers changing and and so on. But if he did stay, you know, because he's goal-scoring, the goal he scored at Brighton, uh, was just top class. I mean, that that was a that was an Aguero finish. His goal yesterday, he, he he gave me a little bit of a flashback to Aguero's goal uh, in 2012. It was in the same area, the same penalty area, you know, and it was just a little switch to, a switch onto his right foot and then bang into the. It was into the opposite corner. Unfortunately, that kind of spoiled the illusion, but uh, it, it was it was Aguero esque. So he's he's finishing. He's unreal. I mean, in the final. Obviously, like you say, Bernardo and Gundogan will be coming back in, and that it makes infinite good sense to play them more centrally. So you think Foden will go out to the left with Mares on the right, but again, that that will be a problem for Chelsea. I don't know if you remember the game at Chelsea earlier in the season, Foden against Aspilicueta, where he absolutely burned him. He he, he took him on in a in a one on one and just destroyed him for pace. Um, I think he took Aspilicueta by surprise a little bit. I don't think he thought that Foden was that quick. So I, I think that that could be a key battle for City. You know, if, if Aspilicueta plays, that techie teching on that that right hand side, and of course Reese James is going to be an issue for City if he plays on that side because Chelsea will look to exploit the fact that Zinchenko isn't really a natural left back. So Foden will have a job to do, in, you know, a defensive job to do in getting back in, and cutting that threat. But uh, yeah, I mean Foden. At times, it was just just sensational. I thought yesterday, you know, it wasn't his best game for City, but the fact that they took him off, you know, he was the player who was coming on in those situations when you're three nil up. Not so long ago, he was he was a player. Yeah, we'll put him on. We've we've won the game. Let's give him a few minutes. Now he's a player that that's coming off because they want to keep him fresh. They want to keep him sharp. You know, he, he's up there with De Bruyne. Uh, you know, they're the probably the two players for City at the moment. Maybe Mares as well. Who you think these are going to win a game for us? You know, they're, they're the, I mean, City have got a lot of match winners, let's face it, from almost from 1 to 11. You can include include Edison in that uh, with some of his passing. But but if you were to pick pick two out, it'd be Foden and De Bruyne with Mares pushing them as well. You know, the, the goals he's scored, the assists he's come up with, with lately. But uh, going into that final, I would think, you know, you'd be looking to De Bruyne, Foden, Mares as the men who are going to make that big difference. Um, I think they're, they're better than anything Chelsea have got. Chelsea are an excellent side with excellent players, but I think those three, on current form, are the three men who City will be looking to. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, th- I think if you just look at the start of the season, Foden was still doing that coming on at the end role. He, he wasn't starting every single game. And obviously it was, it was a, a difficult start to the season for City. But I'd, I would look at that Chelsea game at Stamford Bridge as sort of the game that he really turned turned his season in his favour and, and took took control of it for himself because after that he he did become first choice and and he's he's played his way into at the end of the season is going to be a Champions League final start you would you know it's really pointing towards that and even at the start of the season I don't think you could have said that and he, he spoke to Sky Sports after the game and after Michael Richards he didn't ask a question he just said 
do you know how how good you are? That's all he said. He was like, we we love you, and it it, it was right because City fans do want to say that sort of stuff to him. But then he was asked, um, what what is your best position? And he just said, I don't know. He was like, I, mm. I get, I'll, I'll play wherever, and I'll I'll do what the manager says. But I I don't know my best position, and uh, I think that is at the moment is an advantage to him. Maybe later in his career, he'll have to you know settle down and and perfect a, a position. But he's at a stage of his career where he's playing good football. He's he feels unbeatable. He'll take on whoever's in front of him. And now he's adding that tactical and defensive side to his game. He's a key, key player for City, as as you're saying. I think you've answered what was going to be my uh, one of my final questions, which was, is there any movement on that starting eleven? You, you mentioned that Sinchenko would be your left-back, Fernandinho, your defensive midfielder, and Bernardo, your, your centre-forward. Is that is that right? Any other changes on that? I, I don't think so. I can't see any. I mean, the centre backs look tied on as well. Walker at right back. He's gonna he's gonna be essential, I think, for City. You know, we've seen City undone by Chelsea's counter attacks. They've got quick lads up front. And I think Walker, as long as he keeps his discipline and don't put in those rash challenges that he comes up with every now and then, I think Walker's going to be absolutely key. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it's it's almost tied on. I mean, you never know with Pep. He's got a long time to think about this one. Uh, you never know if you might think that. He, I hope he doesn't, because I think we saw against PSG where he he almost made an admission before the game that you know he he needs to just play to City's strengths, not worry about the weaknesses, uh, and not try and exploit the opposition weaknesses. Just play to your own strengths. City for me are the best team in the world right now. Uh, I don't think there'd be a, a lot of people would argue with that. And if they should be going, it's just going out there saying, yep, yeah, this is our best team. This is our best formation. We've got better individuals. We're better as a team than you. And we're going to we're gonna play this game our way. We're going to gom- dominate the possession and we're going to take you apart. Um, you know, and then the individual abilities of, of De Bruyne and Foden, Mares. And Bernardo and Gundogan, let's let's not forget. You know, you were talking about the the pressing and the and their intelligence, but they, they technically, individually, they, they're both brilliant, brilliant players. And I, I think that if, if what it's about is not freezing, they didn't freeze against Dortmund. They didn't freeze against PSG. They got the game absolutely spot on. This is a different kettle of fish. They've not played in a Champions League final before. Gundogan has uh, Scott Carson will be sitting on the bench <laughs> as the experience. But the rest haven't, and you just hope that they they don't. Especially younger lads like you, you kind of think Foden could play anyway. Just doesn't you know for him he's just playing in a back alley in Edgeley. That's that's the way he always plays. You just hope that they don't kind of get overawed a little bit and play the occasion rather than playing the game. Pep knows how to deal with that. He's he's been there many times, play playing huge games with Barcelona. Uh, he obviously didn't he didn't do that with Bayern Munich but he, he knows what it takes to get the players focused on the game and keep their minds off the occasion uh, and I, I, if, if they get it right and they play the game they win the game for me Yeah I think it's just about trusting trusting what they've done to get this far and they've, they've got past Dortmund and PSG like you say they've, they've kept it simple they've not done any sort of silly mistakes that have characterised previous seasons and I think they've got that out of the system it, they look like they're confident they, they trust themselves they, they, they believe in their own ability and it's just about continuing that and, and trying to trying to win that trophy and you, you do you've got a bit more confidence in them I'll, I'll touch wood on behalf of City fans but you, you, you've got a bit more confidence than the last few seasons when they've come up in these these big games and uh, 
I, I think the pressure's on Chelsea more than more than City to to do something. And uh, yeah, let, let's see what happens. Before we go, Stuart, would winning the Champions League be City's greatest ever achievement, do you think? I I personally think that winning three out of four Premier Leagues is is tougher in, in a lot of ways. Obviously you're not you're not playing the same level of quality, but as Pep always says, you know, how many games do you have to win to win a Champions League? The group stages, a, a team of City's standing should breeze through the group stages and that's what they do. The group stages are almost irrelevant, they're academic. So then you're starting again in in the in the last last sixteen. And you look at it, you know, City, Borussia Mönchengladbach, they should beat Borussia Mönchengladbach, and they did. Borussia Dortmund, I'm not, I'm not belittling what they've done because they've, they've done brilliantly this season. Borussia Dortmund weren't having a great season in the Bundesliga. I think they're a better team than the league position suggested, but they dealt with them comfortably enough. Semi-final, Paris Saint-Germain, uh, you know, top team with with really good individuals. Um, but again, City, City too strong for them. It, it's an easier in some ways it's harder because one mistake and you're out that doesn't happen in the Premier League you make a mistake in the Premier League you've got another 37 games to put it right so in that that respect but I think having that consistency in the Premier League which is such a tough league is a a greater achievement to win it three times out of four certainly but in terms of the glory and in terms of projecting themselves uh, on, on a global stage it will it will be a massive thing for them, you know. I think Chelsea's profile went through the ceiling when they won the Champions League. You know, they would they've been winning Premier League titles and, and other trophies uh, for quite a few years before that, but then they, they finally won the Champions League and they went they went through the roof. And I think that's what that's what City are looking at. You know, they they need to te- this will take them onto that level. You know, they, they've, they've sort of been European underachievers by winning it. You're then in a bracket with. Europe, the European elite with Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, United, Liverpool, all the rest of them, you know, you're in that bracket and you're not removed from it. And I could see City then going on to win it more than once. You know, I don't think it'll be a flash in the pan uh, as, as long as the club continues to grow off the field the way it's growing on the field. I think they could they could be a massive force to be reckoned with in the years to come, obviously domestically, but also in Europe. I think that's a good point. It's it's sort of, as you say, the the consistency in the league has been incredible, and everyone in England knows how good City are. But maybe this would uh, open a few eyes in Europe to to be like, yeah, we're not just sort of people who want to be there. We are there. We have been there for a while, and and we're as good as you, and as, as sort of we deserve to be here on the same level. And yeah, it could well open the door to a lot more success and and give City that belief throughout the club that they are the best club in the world I know that is the belief but if they have the trophies to back it up then who knows where City can go last question Stu your prediction for the final let's have a score prediction I think it'll be tight I think it'll be tight um, I'll, I'll, even, I'll give you a score prediction of 2-1 to City I'd love to say Sergio Aguero come on after 93 minutes and 20 seconds and, and pop one in the back of the net. That would be that. No, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be ideal actually because that would be a massive rewrite for me on the <laughs> final whistle. And I, I don't really fancy that really. It's going to be a, going to be quite a traumatic week as it is without without that at the end of it. So, uh, hopefully, I mean, for my for my point of view, I want City 4 0 up at half time, then I can write my final <laughs> match report before uh, while, while we're at, I'm having a, having a coffee at half time. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'll, I'll say maybe 2 1 to City. I think it'll be close. 
Yeah, I, I was going to say 2-1 to City, but I'll add, I'll add a third and let's hope that Aguero does that maybe 10, 20 minutes to go and gives you a bit of time. I was at the under-18s. Uh, under uh, they won the national final of the Premier League. Yeah, under-18 Premier League and they were 2 a up within seven minutes and I was like, OK, I'm, I know the direction this result is going to go now. So it uh, made things a lot easier. So uh, good luck with your trip to Porto. Uh, let's hope that the City fans enjoy it. If you are heading to Porto, enjoy yourself it's a once in a lifetime opportunity for for city fans and hopefully it all goes smoothly and uh, you you have a win to to come back with and the next time we speak on talking city we're talking about the champions league winners fingers crossed Stu. enjoy yourself in porto and uh, join you. us next time to uh, look back on whatever happens in the champions league final excellent cheers